Hi everyone, this is John with Paralect, and I'm here with the co-founder of Agora, Alex Washburn. And Agora is part of the Paralect Accelerator Batch 2, which is going on right now. He and his team have been working together with our team at Paralect to discover the first version of Agora and start designing and building their startup, which will launch later this year in October, so hopefully. So, Alex, how are you doing today? It's good to be here. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about Agora. Uh, the, the homepage itself is pretty sparse at the moment. You're not giving away too much. Uh, so what is the vision for the platform? Yeah, big picture. We're seeing Agora as a scientific medium. And we're trying to bring people into that concept by calling it a social medium for science. But it's really so much more. You know, usually when we think of social media, we think of Facebook, Twitter, maybe even LinkedIn, you know, it's really just about sharing posts and liking and, and stuff like that. But we're thinking more broadly about the social functions of science and all the things that scientists do and trying to bring them into one place. And so we're really trying to um, enhance these functions of scientists to chat, share thoughts and questions, to mentor each other, to share papers, jobs and stuff like that. Um, and down the road to secure funding, to publish, and so, yeah, we're really looking at, you know, the, the whole life of a scientist and finding that if we bring many of these functions together into one platform, they can synergize off each other and we can use those synergies in order to make, this, make it something more. Sounds amazing. Uh, and I feel like this is a good time and place for something like that, given the sort of broken scientific discourse uh, on traditional social media channels. Uh, you're a scientist, as far as I understand. So... Was there a certain point in time where you said, look, we, we have to build something better. There's, this is totally broken. Yes. Um, so I, it, my journey into this started um, even before COVID when I was a postdoc at Duke University and I had a wonderful advisor. She was incredible, but she was battling cancer and she passed away just three months into my postdoc. And she had managed to set aside her startup fund so I could keep doing research, but I didn't have an advisor. And I started to realize that when you don't have an advisor in science, when you don't have a single person who's famous, who can go from university to university sharing your work, it becomes really hard to get your work known, even if it's a good contribution to the field. Um, so I had some people say, oh, you should join Twitter. You know, I wasn't on Twitter. I like, had deleted my Facebook. I don't really like that stuff um, just because the vitriol and the, the way it sucks you in. And so I joined Twitter and I think my first viral tweet was that I hate Twitter or something like that. <laughs> and so it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't the place for me as a mathematician to, you know, find my papers and my people and to have this calm discussion that really enriches my life and helps me become a better scientist. Yet that's the place that we point scientists to. And, you know, that, that was where it started. And I realized we need something so much better. You know, we can totally do better if we deliberately design it. Um, but then, of course, you know, like fast forward a few years, I got did some epidemiology research. I got really into COVID and I was doing forecasting and, you know, published some very legit papers in that world of, you know, everything from counting people going to the doctor with influenza like illness in March 2020 to, you know, quantifying the increased transmissibility of alpha B117, the first variant of concern in the UK with the, the UK epidemiologists. And in that process, you know, I saw this problem, these inefficiencies in science just get blown into, you know, the most extremes. And this is the world 
facing a crisis and scientists had to find the answers. And yet we needed to have simultaneously a place for scientists to talk amongst each other with uncertainties, with preliminary figures, with all these things that we're not quite sure about yet. And we also need to be able to consult the public through a crisis. And not, that doesn't mean we tell them what to do, but we can at least like say, hey, we know this, we don't know this. Here's a range of opinions of possibilities and stuff like that. We just didn't really have a very good platform for informed deliberation, both within the scientific community and for scientists to chime in in a respectful way to consult policymakers and the public on big questions as you're. And we're seeing the same thing now with monkeypox. I'm still kind of on the side involved in forecasting monkeypox outbreaks and analyzing that stuff, but we're just having a very difficult time getting scientists to connect with each other. It's usually done via emails and email inboxes have like a thousand unreads, you know, and we don't have this really efficient platform for sharing the latest science and talking amongst each other or contributing collectively towards like a real product that we give to the public. All right. So th definitely the need is there. Uh, I guess my next question would be, are there any platforms that sort of inspire you guys as you're building this one where you look at it and say, we need to build this, but for scientists or something like that? You know, yeah, I think there's two platforms and then one um, piece of technology. The two platforms are Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, I use both. I love them. And I think they have a place in the world, in the market for, you know, sharing stuff. Twitter I really like because there's just so much interesting stuff. People will share, you know, the, the lowest, you know, the smallest unit of thought on Twitter. And that's important for science, too, for people to be able to, you know, when we have a good idea or a crazy idea, Sometimes it starts off with this tiny little catalyst of just, hey, you know, some weird question or some weird observation, and then that spirals into something more. And I really love how Twitter does that. I also love how Twitter allows this direct engagement between scientists and the public. Um, but it's kind of a war zone, and it's full of all kinds of, you know, bots and trolls and pugilists and, you know, malign interests of one sort or another, and it kind of changes the game of science away from the scientific method and towards more populist methods. And so that's really not the best thing about doing science on Twitter. And it also kind of gets scientists at each other's throats. So that's not, we don't want a war zone. You know, we don't want to throw gentle young scientists into a mosh pit. <laughs> and so yeah. we want to have their space, you know, their little garden of thought to, to sit and think and be good stuff. LinkedIn, I like because LinkedIn is very professional, right? You don't go on to LinkedIn and start fights. You don't, People don't go on to LinkedIn and just start like ripping at each other and retweeting the most outrageous thing and getting angry, right? You go to LinkedIn and it's like, oh, wow, someone has succeeded in their career. Fantastic. You know, let's celebrate that. You know, let's show support for this. Let's, you know, I love this. Um, but LinkedIn, you know, no offense. And this is maybe this is just kind of part of a workplace environment is it's kind of boring, you know, and it's also not specifically designed for scientists. It's great for people with MBAs and people looking to network and advance in their careers, but science is a little bit different than most other careers. It's, it has, you know, this information sharing component that has key units of, of information that are being shared that we really have to think more specifically about. And so this leads me to the, the tech that really motivates us is the iPhone, which is that, you know, the idea that we had phones, we had cameras, we had computers. But when you put them together into one, it's something so much more. You know, the synergy of having a phone with a computer allows you to take pictures and put them onto an app on the Internet. Um, you know, it allows you to text people pictures and stuff like that. We have maps. We can text people locations with a computer and a phone. 
And so, you know, that's really what we're thinking about is that when we look at these social functions of science, for instance, peer review publications and sharing papers, when you put two of those together in a platform, it becomes something more. We can take peer review, for instance, which currently, as a scientist, you get a paper that's not yet published, you look at it, you read it, you share your thoughts about it, that's peer review. But to do it formally, there's, you know, it's, it's time consuming and there's no reward for it. Right now you share your paper, um, you, you peer review a paper and that's it. There's no, you know, no payment for your time, no, you know, advancement of your career necessarily. And some people are trying to like build rewards and stuff like that. What we're going to be doing at Agora, for example, is we can give you tokens that will help you boost your paper. So your own work can be, you know, shared more widely if you peer review. And that's how you, when you bring these two things together to one platform, these synergies enable us to make it something more. And that's just, you know, again, two tiny aspects of science. Life of a scientist is super complicated. They have peer review, they apply for funding, they mentor people, they, you know, they share their papers, they share their jobs, etc. When you put all those into one place, it becomes this incredible, you know, opportunity for us to make science more efficient and really bring it into the 21st century. Well, the vision sounds fantastic, uh, and I'm really excited that we are working with you guys on this. So, but you're not you're not a solo founder. Tell us a little bit more about the founding team and uh, what brought you guys together around this vision. Yeah. So Andrew and Anthony, um, Andrew Andrew Schwartz and Anthony Cortez are the other co-founders, and they'd known each other for a few years. They come from a very different angle. They were, you know, more on the business side and really looking for trusted sources of information. They were the public in a pandemic looking for what can we trust? You know, what's out there? What do we know? And, you know, what's the unknowns? And and they couldn't find it. You know, and they found all these people on Twitter that were making great points, but no one was retweeting them because they didn't have many followers. So they're like, why can't we have this informed discussion about COVID-19 epidemiology and policy and the economic costs of interventions and all that stuff that we really should be deliberating. Andrew and Anthony got very motivated by that. And, you know, they started this little Agora um, account and this informed discourse LLC as a concept for you know, their motivations of having more informed discourse. And incidentally, I found them and I was their first follower on Twitter and we linked up and we, you know, I shared this vision that I've brewed since my time at Duke University, and they shared their desire for this informed discourse. And we realized, again, putting us together, we can make it something more. It's not just about the scientists talking to each other, but scientists engaging with the public. And, you know, so that's what brought us all together. And um, now we're just kind of really riffing and, you know, kind of building. We have everybody has their strengths they bring to the table in this. And so it's a really great co-founding team. Super. That sounds great. Um, I'm curious about how you found out about the Parallect Accelerator. Uh, did one of you guys find it and share it with the rest? Or how did you stumble upon us? And what was your first impression of it? So Anthony heard about Parallect from his friend who gave glowing recommendations. I forget exactly what the friend or the recommendations, but the instant I heard it, we were like, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so we applied and um, we're so glad that we did. You know, I think that the we were kind of in this tough bootstrap situation of we had we want to make this huge platform, right? Doing something for all of science is just huge. It's too big for us to do. And we, I, you know, I've got some coding chops, but not the right kind. And we didn't have the funding to make the platform. We didn't have the platform to get the funding. And so in that kind of chicken or egg or bootstraps problem, 
we saw a parallel in the you know the opportunity to work with your engineers to make a minimum viable product and that was exactly what we needed that's you know that really helped us launch into this you know step into the space with something real yeah, that's great to hear as well. Uh, did you guys uh, try any other accelerators or um, startup incubator programs before? Um, I haven't, and you know, I've, I've tried to do some entrepreneurial stuff of one kind or another, but no proper accelerator or incubators. And I'm not sure about Andrew and Anthony. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you were sort of bumbling along trying to bootstrap this before you, you, you realized that you needed some engineering help, at least at a minimum. Um, so were there any other major challenges that you were facing aside from we need to build it and we need the money to build it? You know, I think the biggest challenge we're facing is strategizing, you know, what comes when. You know, as we're building this plane as we take off, I think the first thing we needed was engines and wheels, right? And then slowly we can start thinking, oh, shoot, we really need wings because the runway is coming. You know, we got to runway coming up and then oh shoot now we're getting high we're going to need a, a shell and so really figuring out what comes when um has been the biggest challenge because we have this huge vision you know i think we can do incredible things and revolutionize science for the 21st century but that's step 100 and so the real challenge is like okay which exact steps are steps one through ten and which are you know those will get us to you know a place where we can start thinking more concretely about 10 through 50 and 50 through 100. i think that you know I really Specifically, the, the things that were challenging, we were wondering which features should we prioritize to set us aside from others in the market while simultaneously helping us show users what our vision is and what we're building towards. All right, so let's dig into the, that first 10 steps a little bit because you guys have been going through the sort of the discovery phase for the last four or five weeks already, maybe longer. Uh, so, uh, how did the team and you work together to narrow down that vision into the first three, four, ten steps? I mean, we couldn't have done this without Parallax. So, what what the what really helped us was talking with people who had experience doing this before, and specifically doing this with tech companies before they were able to lay down a roadmap, you know, walk us through a process of, okay, what are all the things you want your users to do? What are the, you know, all the things you want, the features, the bells and whistles that you want on your platform. And they were also simultaneously interviewing our potential users. And so they were really getting their own instinctive sense of what users want. Um, and that gave us all this, you know, better collective understanding of like, what users want, what features we have that can connect those dots. Um, and then at the same time, we're working in the marketing side of things like, what are we going to tell people? You know, what's our, what's our pitch? What are we? And does our platform and our features that we have in the minimum viable product match up to what we're promising or what we're advertising to people? So I think the discovery phase with Parallax, you know, one, like the people are just so much fun to work with that it just, we're so excited. Every call we're hopping on, we're like, oh my gosh, how are you? We're trying to learn some new languages and say hi and goodbye in different languages, which is fun. Um, but also just the, you know, they're professional, cheerful, super talented. And I think, you know, getting to work with them, I mean, it's, it's every little thing. It's, uh, it's, you know, oh, they interviewed the users and so they could talk about what so-and-so said and what they wanted. So that kind of catalyzed our discussion about which features we want. And then they had incredible designs of all the features. So when we look at those, then we're like, oh, we absolutely need that. You know, like, that's so cool. We want that, <laughs> you know. And then, okay, yeah, this isn't, this, 
this we can see how this functionality can be done somewhere else for the time being blah 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 so really just like we we had this you know this activation energy to get us to another level where we can kind of catalyze our own business and you know and you know get some momentum ourselves but with parallax it just got us over that and beyond i mean it's just so cool to see where we are now and where we're headed yeah that's great to hear and i'm curious uh now that you've sort of narrowed down that scope of the features for the MVP. Uh, what, what are those key features that will appeal to you? And I'm sure you've discussed it with other scientists like yourself. What are you sort of bouncing off people saying, look, we're building this and it's gonna have X and you're gonna love it. So what, what are, can you tease us with a few of those key features? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, it was hard because we had this huge vision and, you know, when we had to whittle it down to something smaller, it felt like we were chopping arms and limbs off the baby. And um, so we kept the legs so it can run. <laughs> we'll be attaching other things down the road. You know, there's good prosthetic options for fingers, so et cetera, et cetera. So I think the, the you know, what we whittled down our minimum viable product is going to be focused on um, showing people what we can do with the social medium for science you know so it's going to be a thread and a feed that feels kind of like twitter and linkedin but with some features that we're really designing for scientists that we know that scientists have such a difficult time finding out like where do they put a job posting we have a job posting for example you're going to be like oh well, hey i got a big grant i want to hire a postdoc or a phd student Typically, people send that via emails to other people they know in the field. Maybe they know someone who might be a good fit, or they'll share it on Twitter. But if you don't have a lot of followers, it doesn't get found. Or you can share it on like, you know, every different field has its own weird job posting. There's mathjobs.org, there's ecolog for ecologists, there's expert archives at Pure J, if you know about Pure J, which is just one journal of thousands. And so, you know, this. The system is kind of fragmented, you know, and atomized in a way that makes it difficult to have these like massive reaches for a job search is just one example. And a paper is another example of you publish a paper and then you're like, oh, great. But not everyone read the journal on that month, you know, and so how are they going to find my paper? It might be really relevant. It might change their mind and their whole career trajectory to just read this paper and build off of it or have some idea from it that they go take somewhere else entirely. And it, you know, it's that's those sort of inefficiencies and in helping scientific products and opportunities finding their audience that we're trying to show people we can catalyze better if we design a platform for scientists. So we can have all kinds of features like, you know, very specific academic tags and identifiers that help people identify each other and share this job with someone, you know, directly in their feed so they can see, oh, wow, great. I like that. I would love to work at Duke University studying this. You know, I'd love to, you know, this is a great opportunity. Um, so we're really focusing on that. We're also focusing on this editorial function, really thinking about the science and public interface. You know, we love, it's important to do science, you know, when, uh, let's put it this way. So scientists, they need a place to work together. That's why we have universities, right? Scientists are not, you know, just doing their work in Walmart or, you know, the coffee shop. I mean, some of them are at the coffee shop, but we have a university as a place to bring people together and they can have different conversations with each other that really push the envelope in, um, in our understanding of the world, we also have to engage the public, you know, because science is not, it's, it's not this kind of isolated cult, right? This is essential for society, for civilization, for us to put people on the moon and build alternative energy resources and respond to a pandemic and tackle climate change, etc. 
you know, this is science and society. And so we're thinking about that interface too by providing an editorial dashboard. So scientists can publish popular science pieces to say like, hey, here's what I'm doing. You know, I'm an ecologist in the Amazon and I've, you know, found this crazy species of frog, you know, <laughs> share that and maybe someone will know. And again, then we'll, the public can find that content and know that it's from an accredited source of information. And we'll hopefully be able to show the public a little bit more of the sausage factory of science, which is that people are unsure. We debate, we discuss, but we kind of have rules of engagement. You know, we avoid ad hominem attacks. We really try to focus on methods and, you know, the connections between the evidence and the conclusions. And hopefully in this process of bringing scientists together with a efficient medium to share their stuff with each other and providing this public facing dashboard for editorials and pop science pieces, we'll be able to kind of point people towards the vision of Agora. But this is a modern day 21st century academic institution of sorts. This is like the university that brings people together. And that's not saying don't go be an activist or get involved or whatever, you know, saying that this is the university is a place for higher learning and thought. And, you know, you can launch off and go do whatever you want. You can still be on Twitter. You can still be on LinkedIn. You can still do all that stuff. But at least you'll have a place that's really designed for you. Yeah, my next question was going to be whether this would be sort of a place where people could just, a lay people could just come and read articles that interest them or whether it would just be for scientists to read other scientists and do peer-reviewed work. So uh, how are you guys thinking about that right now? And is there one community that you sort of need to or think you need to engage first in order to get it started? Yes. So the public is going to be an essential component of this. We want the public to have a place where they can get the best information. And we think that, I mean, currently scientists are just mixed in Twitter, right? And so, oh, maybe, you know, this really brilliant scientist has 20 followers and just, you know, there are tree fallen in the forest over there, you know, but that brilliant scientist in the scientific community is widely respected and they're in the scientific community, their contributions would be upvoted more, right? And so we just want to be careful about allowing sort of the, you know, lay, lay upvoting of science, right? <laughs> yeah. Science is not a popularity contest, you know, it's not, that's not, it's about, you know, which things really help us kind of understand and, you know, predict phenomena in nature. So we want the public to be able to read it and to see it. And we're actually going to have a, you know, down the road, in addition to this popular science, allow the public to like, get fascinated and like fall in love with all these scientists and all the cool things they're doing and have one space. So instead of like, oh, here's a thousand scientists scattered across Medium and Substack with all kinds of weird handle names that have, you know, don't really kind of help us know that there are scientists in this space, you know, that's kind of hard to find. But if we bring everyone together into one place, the public can go and you can hear super cool things. You know, the public loves like going to lectures where you can learn about some new astrophysics or something like that. And so by having a pop science dashboard that the public can read, we're hoping people can really get in on that, you know, and have that experience of, you know, the awe and wonder of science and also be able to see inside the sausage factory a little bit like, oh, hey, we're scientists are disagreeing and debating, but being respectful because we're part of this community, you know, because we have to live with each other every day. <laughs> you know, we we can't just be at each other's throats the way people on Twitter might be able to be. You know, we really have to have a way of keeping things civil while, you know, having disagreements that we care a lot about. You know, like if this is your theory, but it might be wrong and someone else is trying to prove it wrong, it can very quickly feel personal. Even in science, there's a long history of these sorts of 
struggles. You know, the Pythagoreans from ancient Greece were following Pythagoras, who showed the relationship between sides of a right triangle, and then they built off that to think everything in the world must be a rational number. Every number is a ratio of two integers. And then this young scientist, Hippasus, came along and said, actually, I think there are irrational numbers and had a legit proof that irrational numbers exist, which we now know exist, but the Pythagoreans thought they didn't exist, and it's rumored they drowned Hippasus at sea. So, you know, science isn't always pretty, <laughs> you know, but this social process, we have to be able to kind of give it its space and try to mediate this competition a little bit and be able to have people, you know, allow people to share their stuff without being drowned at sea or mobbed on Twitter or, you know, things like that. And so the public will play an essential role in this platform and allowing them to, you know, see science. This is, you know, they can see what we're talking about and debating. They'll read our editorials, the pop science articles, and they'll be invited, you know, there'll be ways for people you know, to become users, you know, but right now we're going to be focusing on content creation from verified people, you know, academics or people who've taken a deliberate step in their education towards being experts in the knowledge economy. And that we think that by bringing those people together in one place, this can be a hub of accredited information and debate. Awesome. Well, thank you for the minor divergent down math history. I learned something new today. So, uh, but it sounds really exciting, and there are a lot of aspects of it that I'm sure we'll get to dive into. We'd like to do at least two or three more of these interviews as you guys move along the process. So it'll be great to dive into to more of the details. Uh, but just to keep this first one within our time bounds, uh, let's wrap up with some questions about the future. Um, do you plan to try and raise investments? You mentioned before that you were thinking about it at different points, or you bootstrapping at one time, and now you're gonna have this MVP. Uh, what do you think about raising investments for Agora? Yeah, so we're already, um, we've already had some, you know, some commits for the friends and family stage of investments, and that's gonna be crucial for bridging the gap between the MVP and the, the seed stage. We're already talking with some strategic venture capital companies in order to figure out like, who's right for us. You know, we think we have a lot to offer and we're starting these discussions. Again, we're going strong in the friends and family stage. And I think that this, again, it wouldn't have been possible without Parallax. We would have, you know, been trying to raise, we wouldn't have even had the designs to share with friends and family to show like, look, this is a thing. Like this is a real thing of a beautiful feed for scientists, you know, and it was because of Parallax that we were able to have that. So while it's being developed, we were able to fundraise and then, you know, fundraising, working with the developers is helping us think about exactly how we'll structure our team to, you know, show up strong for the seed stage. So we're already fundraising and having luck. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. And even though you're just sort of through the first month, um, is there a specific part of building or launching Agora that you're most excited about? I, I, obviously, the designs excited you quite a bit. And we always hear that from founders. As soon as they get to see their idea, even in the simplest mock-ups, they, they start to really feel like it's real. The, I think the thing I'm most excited about is um, engagement with the scientific community. You know, once we get scientists on our platform, we're going to be transparent about you know, everything from data privacy to feed algorithms. So we'll be able to show, I mean, scientists love this stuff, you know, like how are we sharing papers and jobs? How are we helping your paper and job find its audience? 
you know, without divulging proprietary information, we were going to bring people along on the journey and show them what's really unique about our methods of, of making this medium fit scientists and level the playing field in science as well. Um, you know, make it so that if you have 20 followers on Twitter, you can still have a very competitive paper on Agora. Um, so that's really what I'm excited about is the scientific community engagement. You know, these are people I grew up with my whole life. My mom was a scientist and throughout my PhD and postdoc and beyond, every, all of these friends were scientists. And I just really want to personally bring them on board and make a platform that helps them. You know, so they look at it and they're like, this is amazing. And I want, you know, when we talk to them, they get really excited. They're like, oh, what about this? Can we have this? Can we have that? I'm like, yes, we want all of that. You know, we want, you know, with, and we're doing our, our job to try to like, put it all together, you know, but when we hear from them and their enthusiasm that someone is making this platform with them in mind, um, that's really what we, that's what gets me going. I, I love it. All right. Well, that's great to hear. And I'm excited to follow the progress and talk to you again as you guys move through the accelerator. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. And are, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience or your audience uh, that we haven't covered today about the backstory of Agora or your experience so far? Oh my gosh, there's maybe for another call. There's so much more to talk about and do, and I'm you know we've got our work cut out for us. So you know once we have a platform to show people, we'll be able to tell them all about how it came to life and you know, the many motivations at play. But for now, I think, yeah, we've got some work to do. And it's so great to talk with you and really grateful to be on this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, too. You take care. Bye.